Hello everyone, this is the Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z podcast, and I'm your host, Steph Bodrini. This podcast is for everyone who wants to be part of our real estate family and learn commercial real estate investing from A to Z. I'll be sharing with you tips for real estate investing while being mentored by a few people with several years of experience so that you and I can get to success a lot faster. My goal is to keep things super straightforward because we are all busy and we are here to learn. With that, in the last episode, we interviewed Ruben Tornberg. He helps startups find and lease office space. And we learned specific details about office leases, such as lease negotiation points, what makes for a good office landlord, what does base year mean on a lease. And in this episode, we are interviewing Matt Seamus. Matt is the founder of Driven Capital Partners, a real estate private equity firm based in California. Driven Capital Partners maintains a diversified portfolio that includes 700 units of multifamily, 40,000 square feet of office space, and a mixed-use opportunity zone development project. And we are going to learn with Matt what is a real estate syndication, what types of asset classes are safer for us to be prepared when we go in a recession, and we'll learn how they underwrite and pick deals. Let's get started. Matt, thank you so much for being here with us. We met in person just a couple of weeks ago and you were such a wealth of information. Since you have been in the real estate world for a while, I would love to pick your brain, especially on the syndication side of the house. But before we start, why don't you give us a little bit more information about your background? Yeah, well, thank you for having me, Steph. I am in the Bay Area in California, just like you. And I have had a, kind of an entrepreneurial career that spanned finance, real estate investing, tech. Most recently worked at Facebook for six years on various different projects. All the while though, I had been investing in real estate kind of on the side. And it, it was the thing that I've always been most excited about and kind of most passionate about. And in 2018, left Facebook to take on real estate investing full-time. Now I run Driven Capital Partners, which is myself and my partner, Dan, who's in Long Beach. And we invest in commercial real estate for the most part for our own account. So we invest our own money and we bring passive investors along for many of our deals. And we pool money and other assets together from multiple people so that we can buy bigger and higher quality assets than any of us can buy on our own. We focus mostly on markets outside of California, although we, we happen to live here. We focus on markets that have strong growth dynamics, places where people are moving. Typically that happens as a result of job creation. 
And job creation typically happens as a result of local municipalities incentivizing jobs to be created in that region. These are places where businesses are investing or are moving, places where jobs are being created, where people are moving as a result, where there's opportunity. And for us, that is largely in the Southeast United States. So we really like the Carolinas, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, Florida, kind of that general region. Population growth is indeed very important. Well, first, I hope you got a lot of stocks at Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as many as I hoped. <laughs> or, or as many as engineers typically get. <laughs> um, well, I did have a great time working at Facebook. It was a great place to be. I'm a little bit more entrepreneurial than what a large company allows for. I knew that my time there was going to be limited. In fact, six years is a lot longer than I expected or intended to stay, but met some amazing people, was challenged in, in some incredible ways. I grew a lot as a person. So I, I can't say anything bad about my time there other than I wish I would have had a, a chance to get a little bit more stock. I, I agree on the company, how, how amazing they are. Both of my sisters actually work there and they're very, very happy. Before we get into what is a syndication? You mentioned you have a partner and partnerships are so important. I would love to hear a little bit on how you found your partner and how you guys decided to be partners. Yeah, I agree with you. First of all, this business um, is all about partnerships and relationships. And I actually believe that your partners are more important than the asset class or the property or even the market that you buy in, mm -hmm. in, in most cases. So Dan is my partner. We didn't find each other per se. We've been in each other's lives for many years. Our wives are actually best friends. Mm -hmm. So um, over the last 12 years, we've kind of had no choice but to hang out with each other and get to know each other very well. And we have very complementary skill sets, complementary views on the world. We don't always agree on everything, but we have a relationship that is strong enough that we can have this discourse and we can disagree thoughtfully with each other, which I think is very important. And we also enjoy doing different things. Dan is very outgoing. He likes to take action. He likes to move quickly. I'm very analytical. I like to get just a little bit more information before I make a decision. And so our skills kind of balance each other out and they've allowed us to do and achieve a lot more in a shorter period of time than either of us would have been able to do on our own. So I think that's the crux of a really good partnership. Let's jump right into what is a syndication for people that have no idea what that is or how to even get started. A syndication is just pooling together of assets to achieve something that neither of us could achieve on our own. That term is used very commonly, especially today in real estate investing for a structure where you have the sponsor who is out sourcing the deals, underwriting the deal, packaging it together, and then raising money from individual passive investors. And that structure is called a syndication. I actually don't love the term syndication or syndicator, and I, I don't really apply that to what we do just because it has a bit of a connotation. In fact, one of our investors recently told me that he considers our group 
a little bit more like an investing club than a syndicator. And I think that's the approach that we're taking. We started Driven Capital Partners because Dan and I were investing in real estate for our own accounts on the side. And we thought that we could achieve something better by pooling our resources together. We are investors first. We put our own money into every deal that we do. It has a little bit of a different feel than maybe maybe some other syndicators. Broadly, it's simply pooling together of resources so that the group can accomplish something greater than the individual. And real estate is very well suited for this structure because you have some people that are very experienced in the operational components of real estate that are highly analytical, that understand how to underwrite properties, that understand how to negotiate and and win a property at a price that makes sense. And these are all just a small portion of the skills required to run a successful real estate investing operation. But you can imagine not everyone has these skills or even wants to have them. And even if you have the skills or feel like you you can, you have the ability to gain them, do you have the time and do you have the inclination to go out there and do it? Even if you did have the time and inclination, is it going to be worth it? Is the return on your investment of your time going to be worth it? And so what we've found is a lot of our investors want the benefits of investing in real estate. They understand them, but they don't have the time they don't have the knowledge or the expertise to do it on their own. What we do is, is we offer a partnership where we bring the expertise, we bring the deals, we bring the deal flow, we bring the due diligence process, and we say, this is a project that I am putting my own money into. Would you like to be involved as well? And it allows investors to be invested passively. In that model, kind of everyone has a chance to play a role and everyone has a chance to be better off than they would if they would have done it on their own. For those of you who want to invest passively on real estate, it is very important that the sponsor, Matt, in this case, puts some money in the deal because that shows that they have skin in the game. What is your investing strategy? We have a bit of a unique strategy. Since we are investing for our own account, meaning we are investing our own money into deals. We want to be diversified across asset classes and across markets. What typically happens is that a real estate syndicator or sponsor will specialize in a particular market or on a particular asset class, and typically both. You might have a syndicator that focuses exclusively on multifamily properties in Houston, and maybe even further specializes in a certain size range, 100 to 200 units, multifamily in Houston, class B apartments. That's the only thing that they do. There's tremendous value in that approach because they can be a specialist. The downside is that you have all of your eggs in one basket. And so what we decided to do from the start was have kind of a diversified approach where we want to create a portfolio of multiple asset classes in multiple markets. And so we want exposure to the markets that we like, and we want exposure to the asset classes that we like. And what we don't want is to be specialists in any one of those. We want to be knowledgeable enough to be dangerous in industrial space and in multifamily and in medical office space and various other asset classes. That's the approach that we have, which is actually probably unique. Is there a particular asset class that you prefer today? Today is a very important modifier to that question because we are in May 2019 Mm -hmm. and in the middle of a trade war between the United States and China, there's a lot of uncertainty in the stock market. 
there's a lot of uncertainty with regard to when are we going into a recession? And our belief is that we will be entering a recession at some point. So what that means is as a real estate investor, you have a choice. Do I stay on the sidelines? and see what happens and forego potential gains for the sake of being quote unquote conservative and waiting it out? Or do I take the approach that everything that I'm investing in, I'm looking at a little bit more closely and specifically through the lens of we're going to enter a recession at some point. So the property that I'm underwriting today I need to expect to be able to hold through a recession. So that's the approach that we've taken. We're going to buy very selectively. And it means we're going to say no to probably some projects that, that would be profitable. But the projects that we say yes to are going to be projects that we're very excited about because we feel like we understand the downsides and we feel like that we are appropriately conservatively leveraged with debt, that we have enough in operating reserve in case you know we had more vacancy than we expected, for instance. We're essentially becoming more conservative the longer that this market runs. And we're also looking at some of the asset classes that we think will fare better in a recession. And I'll give you an example. We have two medical office projects under contract. Medical offices where you have dentist offices, optometrists, physical therapists, and outpatient center for a hospital, any kind of place where you have office space that is occupied by someone in the medical services profession. And we think that it's going to fare very well in a recession because in a recession, you still need to go to the dentist. You still need to go to the physical therapist. Your insurance is going to pay for a large portion, if not all of those costs anyhow. We think that that asset class is probably relatively conservative in a recessionary environment, whereas we're less interested in something like multifamily simply because it's so highly priced today. There's so much demand and new investors in the market bidding up prices for apartments that we just feel like we are at a, a disadvantage buying multifamily versus some of these other asset classes that we think are still a little bit undervalued comparatively. Let's move into how do you guys underwrite and pick your deals? I kind of covered a good portion of that with the previous question, but we're looking at everything through the lens of can we and do we want to hold this asset through a recession? We only buy a deal when we are confident that we are buying it uh, below its actual value. Oftentimes this is replacement cost or there's something fundamentally about the property that is undervalued and we can see and capture. So we only buy something when we think it's undervalued. We only buy something when we have a very strong plan in place to improve the value after we acquire it. If those two conditions are not met, then we just won't proceed on the project. We say no to a good chunk of projects that probably would be really good projects for us, but there's something just not quite right about it that we can't wrap our heads around and therefore we're willing to pass on it. And I think this is an important characteristic that we want to maintain. We don't want to feel like we have to go buy a project just to do a deal. We want to maintain quality over quantity of deals. Can you elaborate on what does it mean when it's below replacement cost in case someone doesn't know what that means? I'm writing an offer today on an industrial warehouse. It's 86,000 square feet. It's got 
mostly warehoused in a great location, appealing to someone that needs a distribution center, needs high bay space in a warehouse, which is essentially space that a large truck can back up into and you can stack merchandise very high so you can maximize the, the square footage. It also has office space. So that combination is very appealing in this particular market. We are looking at buying this property for less than $60 a square foot. If I were to build this exact same property on a similar parcel, I couldn't build it for $60 a foot. I'd have to pay more just to build the property. And then I would have a vacant property sitting there waiting to be leased. So the risk associated with the development is meaningful. So that's what we look for is where can we buy something that is below the cost to replace it? That's one way of determining is this undervalued? And it's one way that a lot of brokers will use if you look at an offering memo. One thing to watch out for is brokers are salespeople. So it's easy to say this asset is, is below replacement cost, but mm-hmm. almost never will they tell you, well, this actually would be replacement cost and here are real numbers that we used. That term is used very loosely below replacement cost with a lot of brokers. So you should really have an understanding if you're going to use that yourself or if, you, if you're going to believe it, you should have a, a pretty good understanding of what you think replacement cost is. Where do you go to triple confirm that it is indeed below replacement cost? This is the beauty and the, uh, the pain of real estate. There are very <laughs> few sources of truth. The market is inefficient it changes day to day. It doesn't really come from a website. It comes from asking a lot of questions and kind of gaining experience and then using your own judgment at the end of the day. I wish it was a cleaner, simpler answer, but that's really the truth. Can we jump into an example of a deal you guys have done from beginning to end? Right now, we own just under 700 multifamily units. We have 40,000 square foot of office space and we have one opportunity zone development deal. And then under contract right now, we have three projects and they totaled about 80,000 square feet of industrial and medical office space. So that's kind of what our current portfolio looks like. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about the opportunity zone development deal because I think this is probably just the most interesting. Opportunity zones, there are major tax incentives for taking capital gains and investing that money into an opportunity zone project. Opportunity zone projects can be real estate related. And so what we have done is looked for where are the opportunity zones in the country, in the markets that we like. In other words, where are places that are designated an opportunity zone, but are not really economically distressed. And the project probably would have penciled out anyway. The tax benefits associated with investing in an opportunity zone project simply make the overall development project just much more appealing. We happen to find one of these opportunities and we own it now. It's a four acre parcel. It's on a very high traffic corner lot. It currently has a vacant building. It's a building that was built in the 60s and it's just been neglected for the last handful of years. We originally bought it with the intention of refurbishing the existing building and putting a significant amount of money into the renovation. But as we got further down the due diligence process before we actually closed on the property, we realized, you know what, the the location is so strong that in the city, the particular city that we are working with is very, very motivated to see something 
big and exciting happen at this location. We actually had a, an opportunity to sit down with several city officials, including the mayor, and had some great conversations with them. And we realized this is actually really a development opportunity, not a renovation opportunity. We're in the early stages of putting together design concepts it's going to be a multi-use project, so that means two or more uses. In this case, it'll probably be retail and office. It's located in essentially an office park, and we're just excited about going through this process and bringing something brand new into the world that wasn't there before. And that's the one deal that I would highlight just because I think it's the most interesting and exciting. Where is this deal at? This particular deal is in Huntsville, Alabama, which is the fastest growing city in the state of Alabama and somewhere that we are pretty excited about. Is there anything else that you think our audience should know? We covered a good a good range here. I certainly don't want to portray myself as an expert. I'm learning every day and I love sharing whatever knowledge and information I have, but everything that I should be corroborated elsewhere. And I just encourage everyone to continue to, to learn more about this Space if you're interested in what we're doing. And I love what you are doing, Steph. And I, I'm excited for uh, to continue to listen to your to your podcast and your guests. Well, I appreciate you being humble about your knowledge. Usually the humble people are actually the professionals. So <laughs> that's a good sign. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Our website is drivencap.com or Matt M-A-T-T at drivencap.com if you want to send me an email. If you go to our website, you can subscribe to our email list. And if you are a passive investor, one thing that I do recommend is finding a few sponsors, subscribing to their email lists and, and getting a feel for how they communicate with their investors and potential investors, getting a feel for the kinds of deals that they have. And the more deals that you look at, you're incurring more repetitions. And in this business, you need a lot of repetitions in order to feel confident. So I would just encourage you to sign up for our email list if it's something that you're interested in learning more about. And you'll learn pretty quickly if it feels like you click with their style and if you're aligned with them. That's a great tip for everyone. Matt, I really appreciate your time. This has been wonderful. I look forward to continuing this relationship with you and seeing how we can help each other. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steph. I appreciate it. I hope this was useful to you. If you have any friends who would be interested in learning what we are teaching in this podcast, make sure to share it with them and also subscribe to our podcast. See you next time.